I'm John David Bennett, Dean of Curricular Innovation at Mercersburg Academy. Welcome to the Berg's Eye View podcast. In this episode, I interview Vanessa Anyansa, class of 2012. After graduating from Mercersburg, Vanessa attended Columbia University, where she studied psychology, worked as an undergraduate research fellow, and volunteered at the National Eating Disorders Association until she graduated in May 2017. She then moved to Philadelphia for two years, where she worked as a clinical research coordinator at the University of Pennsylvania's Perelman School of Medicine. She also began volunteering for Crisis Text Line as a crisis counselor. She is currently a counseling psychology doctoral student at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities, and she has recently received a graduate research fellowship from the National Science Foundation. In the interview, you'll hear Vanessa talk about the work she spontaneously began in Minneapolis when the protests and riots began following the death of George Floyd. I'm assuming this is no cussing. Assuming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, you know, I mean, you know, nothing egregious, but you know, if it if it fits, it fits, right? I mean, I'm not sure that we, you know, that we'd want to edit something out that you know is part of the that helps make the point. <laughs> um, and I'm sure they can bleep it if they'd like. So I've told you this before, but there are these sort of competing traits that you have that I think are fascinating, and you're like equal parts silly and serious. Uh, you giggle a lot. But you have very serious questions about the world around you, which I assume is what led you to uh, what you were doing recently. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, the running supplies and everything? Yes. yes. Yeah. So that just, I would say like there are multiple factors that led into that, but also at the same time, not really because I was just sitting on my couch and I was scrolling through Instagram. And then I saw that um, a church, Holy Trinity Church, which is just around the street, like a five minute walk from the third precinct, which is the precinct that got birds down. Yeah, I saw that they said, oh, we need supplies to help with the cleanup. And also now that the Target's closed, you know, people need some water and food. So if you have any of these supplies, please be sure to bring them down. And I was like, oh, it's like a 20 minute drive, not 20, 15 minute drive. And I was struck by the fact that normally whenever things like this happen, like if there's a shooting and then like the subsequent like uprisings and stuff, generally I'm far away and I can't really do anything because I can just scroll through Twitter and I can be like, okay, well, there's nothing I can do. But this was a moment where I'm like, oh, I am here. I can do something. So I just decided I'm going to go pick up some stuff from Target and take them there. And as literally as I was walking out the door, I realized, oh, I could ask people for money. I'm sure other people also feel helpless. And then by the time I got to Target, like 20 minutes later, I had $300 in my account that I used to buy stuff. And then I just kept on going and going and going until um, I recently just kind of put a pause on my running donations. But by the end, it was like $22,000. So was this an easy... Um, immediate inclination for you? Yeah, I feel like it popped, it popped into my head, but it was also, I was deliberating for some time about what I wanted to do because the day before that I went to actually visit the spots where George was murdered. But I, that was like, because he was murdered on Monday, I went on Wednesday. So there was already like a lot of tension and things happening for those few days. And I was like paralyzed because on one hand, of course, I wanted to like go pay my respects and find a way to actually help. 
But at the same time, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. And it was this real fear that I had because I also have asthma, so I'm technically high risk, right? So it was this moment where I was thinking, okay, I think I'm going to go. Like, I think the thought that made me realize I'm going to go do it is that for the past two or three months by that point, when like, you know, the pandemic started, everyone is inside all the time. Every time I left my house to go grocery shopping or like go on a walk, I more or less was taking my own life, my life into my own hand, right? I could get, I could get sick and then who knows how it would affect me and like I could die. But then like when I started thinking about it more broadly, I was like, well, technically, because I'm black, that's always kind of been the case for me. I leave my house knowing I could encounter a police officer or a white supremacist or someone, and they could just decide to end my life. So it was like this moment where I'm like, I've always been in risk just living in America. So I'm going to do this while I can. So it wasn't like an easy process to decide to do it. But once like I had that internal dialogue, I'm like, well, I might as well. Just about two weeks ago, my wife sent me a link to an article about you. And that's how I learned about the work that you're doing. Uh, the title of the article is I'm in danger just living in America, colon, for black community, Floyd's death brings more grief and trauma. This was in the, uh, the Twin Cities Star Tribune. And I read in the article that at least at the time of its publication, June 13th, you hadn't watched the George Floyd video. Yeah. Have you watched it yet? No, I feel like since I was, for most of my entire life, I've just seen too many videos of that happening, like Philando Castile, Alton Sterling. We didn't see Trayvon Martin get shot, but like we heard the audio. Like I just feel like I've seen so many iterations of the same things. And initially I'm like, no, I have to bear witness to these stories. But then around the summer where Alton Sterling and Philando Castile happened, I'm like, these videos keep on coming out. It keeps on happening. And it's very frustrating that it has to go viral in order for any semblance of justice to come, which generally doesn't come. But I'm like, me watching this doesn't do anything for me. All it does is that it makes me scared and it makes me feel bad and it impacts me in a negative way. So no, I don't. I try to avoid as much as I can. I don't watch those videos. Because I know what happened. I don't need a video to tell me what happened or show how egregious it was. So you graduated from Mercedesburg in 2012. Where are you from originally? So I am from Gaithersburg, Maryland. So okay. just close to Mercedesburg. Are your parents still there? Yeah, my dad. Well, my dad's technically in Germantown now. And my mom's in Frederick. So okay. they're still in the area. Hey, tell me a little bit about them. Their backstory. So my parents, they are immigrants from Nigeria. I keep on getting the years wrong, but I know my dad arrived before my mom. And when they're in Nigeria, they were journalists. But right now, my dad's a systems engineer, which he's explained to me so many times what he does, and I still do not get it. I do not understand. Yeah, yeah I just like that. Yeah. And then my mom is an accountant for a nursing home. And then they both also teach at um, UMD on the side. You said they were journalists. What's, what sort of journalism? 
the way my dad explained it to me is like when he was back in Nigeria, what he worked as was the, it would be the equivalent of like a White House correspondent. Like he was based in their equivalent of the White House. And then my mother, I never asked quite as directly, but I know there was a moment where like she had her own magazine or newspaper. She actually showed me that. And then um, I know my mom also did some work with BBC, which is what made it kind of easier for her to come over here to the yeah. States. Uh, <laughs> what brought you to Mercersburg? So, um, as I mentioned, my parents are Nigerian. Mm -hmm. And so it's like multiple factors. One, we had a family friend that had gone to Mercersburg. So my parents would say, you're going to go there. You're going to go to Mercersburg. But um, the joke I make is that like my parents in Nigeria, it's like common to send your kids off to boarding school. Like that's just the culture. And I know my parents both like quote unquote left the house when they were like 11 or 12. So they looked at me at 14 years old and they're like, why are you still here? Like you have to go. Mm -hmm. But um. Yeah, it was kind of a choice that was made for me, but I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, you know, when you were here, of course, you were a stellar student, but you know, I remember you being like the first round number one draft pick babysitter. Um, <laughs> and that would, when something was coming up, you know, faculty would like position themselves to get you, <laughs> get to get you first. Um, and I know that my daughter definitely remembers you as a babysitter. Um, and, uh, and of course, I, you know, I, I had you in class where I saw that mixture of, you know, a lot of whimsy and playfulness, but you could write, you know, a, you know, a really powerful punch you in the face sort of essay about, about, about really important topics. Uh, so you made the leap from Mercersburg to Columbia. Yes. Okay. What'd you study at Columbia? Uh, study psychology. Psychology. Okay. Yeah. Which is, which is still the realm of what you're studying now. Yes, I'm currently getting my PhD in counseling psychology. So. Okay. Something that you mentioned in the article is that there were times while in New York that you would purposely, like if you're out for a run or for a walk or whatever, that you were careful to wear a Columbia University sweatshirt mm -hmm. to sort of distinguish yourself as being non-threatening. Yeah. Is that, is, is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, I would say like New York kind of, kind of not just because um, New York is a bit more diverse, but yeah. it's still stuff like this happens everywhere. But I think that's something that really happened. Like once my mom moved to Frederick, because we moved from Montgomery County that had a lot of color and stuff. And then Frederick is much more white and homogenous. And I'm just like, I don't feel like I belong here. So I just want to make sure everyone knows like I'm, I'm not going to hurt anyone. Good. <laughs> After graduate school, now working on your doctorate, uh, counseling psychology, what are you hoping to accomplish in, in the program? Where, where do you hope to go from there? Or do you even know? It's so early. <laughs> I make the joke that the reason I decided to give, get a PhD is because I still don't know what I want to do. Because <laughs> I'm be in school for four years. I mean, I don't, it's this thing where whenever like teachers ask me, I feel it's like, it's a mix of what do I want to do and what do I feel good at while also realizing that there aren't very many Black people that are getting the training I am. I'm going to be trained as a teacher, a researcher, and a therapist. And I know that 
all three of those skills are things that black people like black people need black therapists we need black researchers that are like approaching and analyzing psychological data through like a culturally informed lens and then like you know the reason i got into psychology or even knew i could go into psychology is because the first time i had my black first black teacher was in college and they were a black psychologist and i'm like i can do that right so it's like it's this mix of like what do i want to do but also feeling like what i do can't just be for me like where i am now the point is to help make it easier or clear the path or inspire people that look like me to know that there's a place for them, either help mentor them or also just like provide therapy because black people need black therapists, I think. Well, yeah, you and I have talked recently about how in, in the last couple of weeks, uh, there's been a new Instagram page uh, called Black at Mercersburg. And uh, I suppose we could edit this out if you'd like, but you've, you've admitted <laughs> to me that you've, you've actually contributed to it. Yes, I have. And I have uh, to it. Uh, you can keep it in. It's fine. I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, yeah, so let's, let's just talk about that title, Black at Mercersburg. What, what your experience was like. Yeah, I feel like it was only after I left and got some distance and saw more of the world that I realized some of the ways that things were like, oh, like there's some things, the things that I shared on the page were things that I'm like, oh, at the moment, I know this is wrong. This makes me feel some type of way, but I don't understand why, because I don't have the language and I don't fully understand, but I know something's not right. But there were some things that a few years later, I look back and I'm like, oh no that was racist or oh, no that girl was just mean to me all the time because she's racist i didn't understand what i was doing but she voted for trump so like now i know what though so it's like it's multiple things right because i feel i love mercesburg i had a great experience there i still visit whenever i can i hope to make enough money to be able to send my kids there someday right like I right. love Mercersburg. And at the same time, there are some, I don't want to say traumatic, because I feel like that's a bit too intensive a word, but there are events and things that happened to me there that, like, you know, really impacted or changed. Like, okay, the example I'll give when I think about an incident like this is like, I, um, as you mentioned, I got into Columbia, I graduated from Columbia. So it was in 10th grade that I decided Columbia is the dream school. Columbia is a school that I want to go to. And from 10th grade until senior year, I, that was my goal. I did everything. I did my best in class. Like everything was the goal of we're going to go to Columbia, right? So I worked my butt up for three years. I got into Columbia and I was over the moon ecstatic because I'm like, I put in this work for three years and I got it. I did it somehow. This was a long shot, but I did it. And I remember, I think I had about four or five hours to just really experience that joy, the pure way that it is. Cause like, you know, everyone was like congratulating me and everything. And then there was a moment when um, a student was like, congratulations Vanessa, you did it. And I'm like, yeah, I know I did it. And they're like, so you know, the reason that they let you in is because you're black though, right? Mm. And <laughs> I mean, my response at the moment was just kind of like, nodded and i'm like yeah yeah i know 
but like yeah I only got to be happy about something I worked for for a few hours and then you know that's something that then I got on Columbia's campus and I see well now I think a lot of the rich kids there are a bit I'm smarter than them but like, like I, then I got onto Columbia's campus and like you know that's then impacting the way I move where the classes are harder and I'm like oh crap did they make a mistake was this person right am I only here yeah, as their how long did you carry that with you I would feel like it's an interesting question I feel I feel like I carry it, but in a different way. Okay. Like, I don't, like, I know I've worked for everything I've gotten for, like, of course, some of it is luck. There are lots of, there are hundreds of qualified people that apply to the same things that I do. And not everyone, like, I understand there's an element of luck of that, right? But I know that I have the confidence now that I know in whatever I do and whatever I apply for, I, I know that I'm qualified. I know that I worked for it. I know that I earned it. But... I'm also aware of the fact that not that I could be used, but I'm entering spaces in which I am, okay, I'll use like, right now I'm in a PhD program, right? I'm the only black person in my area. I know I worked for my spot there. I know I earned it. I earned like, I was, I earned a grant. Like I know I earned it, but at the same time, I'm aware of the fact of how now my program can then like use me to be like, oh, look, this is our poster child black student, right? So it's this, so it's kind of like morphed into it's like, I feel like it's something I'm still grappling with. And this is a winding conversation, but I don't think it sits with me in the same way because I have confidence in my abilities, but I am aware that, um, it doesn't matter how hard I push myself sometimes, someone is just going to look at me and be like, oh, well, you are Black and completely negate everything that I did, and I can't waste time yeah. trying to convince those people. So complicates things, makes things more complex when it really should be simple. I guess I'm getting the sense that the school wants to make a lot of changes in terms of academy yeah versus very good terms of like diversity and stuff and obviously i'm not on campus so i don't know like what the well i can tell from like black versus free but i don't know what's like actually happening per se but i will say that i'm more hopeful about change being made at mercersburg than i am say in my department but that just might be a factor of I'm not on campus, so I don't know. But I will say I've never interacted with the new head of school, uh, Katie. But at least I would want to say I have hope. And I guess the one thing I think I want to convey wasn't exactly a question asked is that as the as Mercersburg goes about this, it's going to be messy. It's not going to be fun. And I think the main thing. Like the incident I talked about with you was, that was like the student thing that like, you know, a teacher didn't see, I didn't really tell anyone. I just kind of like internalized that, right? But there were a lot of things that I know happened to me 
and with other students that happened when there was a faculty member there that saw it and did nothing. I feel like the students, for the most part, we're all kind of like, we're kids. We don't, some of us don't know the weight of the words that we're saying. I think there are some incidents that I'm like, oh no, you were really like the girl that um, said that comment to me, like she later apologized because she grew and she realized that what she had said was harmful, right? Mm -hmm. But I do, I guess, want to, I feel like looking back in my experience, I feel like I feel like I was more betrayed by the faculty that let it happen when they knew what was going on. Okay. So I guess, I don't know, my message to the faculty is like, step in and really examine yourself because like, you know, you're supposed to take care of us and look out for us. And it really does something when the people you think are looking out for you don't. What do you imagine a next step could be? for Mercedesburg Academy. Look at next up. I feel like there's so many things, but I feel like, I guess I would want, if there could, I mean, I feel like seminars and workshops can only go so far, but like, if there could be a way to develop, like invite someone to campus to like actually, you know, teach and give teachers the tools to like have these conversations and know how to step in right because I feel like part of it is I understand that from a very young age I've been very I've been confronted with my race I've had to learn very young how to have these conversations and how like to navigate through the world whereas I understand that at Mercysburg the majority of teachers are white and that whiteness affords a privilege where you never really have to learn how to have these conversations. So I think I do understand that part of it is maybe the teachers don't know, which then goes into my general frustration with white privilege, but that's a different thing. But I feel like teachers need to equip and it's like, they need to step in, right? Like, I feel like even if they don't know, even if they don't have the language, they don't know what's wrong per se because I feel like there's so many times something happened that was like clearly racist the teacher instead of being like hey ex-students you shouldn't have said that they're like hey uh, marginalized students can you calm down so I can start teaching per se and like that was <laughs> so it's like maybe acknowledge that like they're upset because something valid just happened even if okay you do have to get into teaching but like don't blame me for having a normal reaction to something that was just said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Titus does talk a great deal about courageous conversations and urges us to have those conversations. Uh, I think it's important for us to recognize that there's no reason to have courage if you aren't feeling fear. <laughs> so it's uh, not necessarily brave or courageous if it happens without any sort of trepidation right um and uh yeah we have to pierce through that push through that fear that trepidation and and say something that includes the word no yeah in response okay if you mess up right like we're all learning right it's okay like if you have the right like okay in areas that i have privilege right so like i'm a cisgender woman as I like talk and have conversations around that, I know like I'm an ally and I care for like my trans siblings, but I'm willing to have those difficult conversations. And I know 
I'm going to mess up and it's okay because I need to mess up in order to learn and be corrected and know how to be better going forward. So I guess I can understand why there's fear on behalf of teachers and maybe students, but I just want to say it's like, it's okay, we're all learning if you have the right intentions that's a part of the process. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Jason Brashatsky and Megan Mallory for their help with producing this podcast. And thank you to Brian Morgan, class of 2007, and Maddie Norris, class of 2021, for writing and recording the theme music. If you have a classmate who is making a difference and you'd like to nominate them for an appearance on Berg's Eye View, send a message to alumni at mercersburg.edu. Thank you.